Screen Tone Club is supported by listeners like you through Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash Screen Tone Club to sign up and get monthly bonus episodes and other perks besides. Welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 130 of your fortnightly look at manga. My name is Elliot Page, slightly melting in the um, unseasonable heat here in Scotland and joined as always by my lovely co-host, Mr. Andy Hanley. How are you doing, Andy? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing very well on this sustainable gastronomy day, apparently. Ah, so you stole my joke. <laughs> hopefully we can serve up some delicious manga that you can enjoy again and again in a sustainable form. Yeah, I get the feeling Food Wars is not going to be supporting sustainable gastronomy day somehow. Um, and neither <laughs> yeah, am I, because I've just that's... ate like four cherry bakewells today, which is not part of a healthy diet, frankly. Yeah, food Wars is a whole other level of gastro- gastronomy that uh, I don't think uh, I, I don't think uh, that the, the website that we use for this this stuff is aware of yet <laughs> oh dear as mentioned this is your fortnight look at manga where we focus on joint discussion we have a discord channel where you can come and hang out with us um, various details about that on the website screentone.club we have a patreon as mentioned in the little pre-show amble um, members of our shout outs tier members help keep us afloat and ad free and all that good stuff um, who are mr rob jessup and Seegers gert so thank you ever so much as always for that um, I'm quite keen to get into both of these topics, quite frankly, Andy. Um, do you mind if I take point with um, yeah. our first pick? Yeah, let's let's go for it. Cool. So my pick um, was something... I, I say this semi-frequently on this podcast, I feel, and it's kind of probably a bit played out now, but I picked something that has always been kind of a slightly scary Death Star um, in manga um, circles, which was Magic Knight Rayearth Volume 1. Uh, Magic Knight Rayearth is a... It was the 25th anniversary edition that we were, I was using to read this. So, you know, it comes from the far-off previous year of 1993, um, which, oh, God, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Um the author is Clamp, therefore the quartet of very talented artists whose work includes Carcaptor Sakura and so on. Um, published by Kodansha. Um, the series is currently complete. Um, in total, it's six volumes long. I was under the weird assumption this was going to be an omnibus, but you can get omnibus special box sets where as they're split into where each one has three volumes in a jumbo size and then also an art book attached which do look very fancy if you're already well in the tank for this series and honestly i can imagine um kind of spoiling the review ahead of time if you are into the art getting it in big is probably really pleasant uh there is an anime um i have not ever watched any of it um there is also a snes rpg which i remember years and years ago was translated by you know fan translators and my one interaction with magic knight rayarth really was playing that game because i was so desperate for something to play like on a snes emulator and then telling someone about the game and getting yelled at because basically i dumped a real late game spoiler on them not knowing how critical it was 
was to the storyline of Magic Knight Rayarth, because quite frankly, I wasn't paying attention very much. I was just kind of like speeding through the game to have something to do. So um, that like that girl years and years ago who I pissed off greatly, I'm very sorry. <laughs> so that's my interaction with Magic Knight Rayarth, was dumping spoilers on someone and getting yelled at for it, which, you know, my bad. Yeah, I mean, who, who among us has not done that at least once in their life? Yeah, it just, yeah, it was very dumb. It was a sort of thing where I'm like, well, everyone knows this. It's like, no, you idiot. Like, what are you doing? Um, especially because at that time it was difficult to read the series. Um, anyway, so Magic Knight Ray Earth. So Magic Knight Ray Earth concerns a trio of middle school girls, um, Hikaru, Fu, and Umi, all of which have names which quite clearly have like an elemental connection of, you know, um, fire, wind, and water. Um, they come from three different like schools and they're all at Tokyo Tower for their field trip. I suppose if you remade this now, it'd be the Sky Tree. And, um, it's quite funny because you have like, normal sporty girl um rich girl and smart girl and so those are your three archetypes there um and they are summoned to an alternate world of Siefro uh by princess emirande um who has like the bit most hair in the world and appears to be trapped in a giant flower under the ocean um by evildoers in the realm and so these three girls are summoned to their, their isekai before that was even a word over to Siefro. they meet a pint-sized um, sorcerer called Clef, um, and then they get sent on their quest. And during this, um, I suppose in what was kind of a novelty, is random, some of the characters will constantly make reference to it being like an RPG, you know, like Dragon Quest, because, again, early 90s. Um, and, you know, Magic Knight Rayoff is kind of fascinating just because it's, it is such a strong... There's such a strong amount of love in it, it sounds strange, but, you know, it kind of lays all this out. And by the end of this first volume, I'm honestly quite shocked about, you know, knowing vaguely what happens in the future of how it both gets to on the ground running, but then also takes its sweet time around things. Um, like the setup is very efficient. You get multiple things happening in the same panel. The artwork is ostentatious and gorgeous and you can tell the authors are really love their characters and the setting they've done and they are really happy to tell show you it sort of thing if that makes sense where it's like look at these characters we think they're totally rad here's another like half page full page or two page spread of something cool happening and at the same time it really knows how to kind of get things across to you and really kind of plant a big standard in the ground for these characters and their interactions at the same time the whole thing feels kind of extremely by the numbers but i will say that the reason they feel like that is because everything else is cribbed from it in the future um like it, there's so much here that you can look back on and go yeah this stuff was in the water and ray earth kind of really ran with it and everything else afterwards like if you tried to replicate the art style you'd probably be laughed out of the room because it would look way too early 90s and way too like besom like big eyes small mouth um sort of structure it has you know very clearly it has robots like giant robot suits um and it has the whole like oh please save my earth like we have summoned you to a different world type thing constant references to it being an rpg system but the one thing that Rhea figured out and that some light novels nowadays haven't figured out is don't cover the page in stat screens you idiots um 
And so, yeah, Ratchet Knight Rayoff is kind of a rip-rollicking adventure where not much actually really happens when you boil it down to bullet points. You know, char- main characters get summoned into other world. They get filled in on the background very quickly. The tutorial is interrupted. They go to get their initial equipment. They are told, nah, you need to go do something else. It's a fetch quest. Ha ha. Everyone face plants. Um, monsters appear at different times. A lady with a gigantic, like, gem on her forehead shows up to be annoying. And they evaporate a Pegasus. And then it kind of goes, it, it, you know, that's where the volume ends is with a hot boy with a scar across his nose turning up. And it's like, ooh, hot lad, um, if really intense fashion, which probably took an absolute age to draw. Um, in fact, all the fashion probably took an absolute age to draw in this thing. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of wild in how, like, how, um, overflowing the whole thing is really reading it of, you know, if you try to get, if you try to draw this nowadays, like I say, you're probably mocked for being a bit too, like, sort of straight faced or po faced about it. Whereas in this, it's like, nope, we like our characters. Here's our characters. Here's them interacting. Here are their quirks and their charm points. Here is everything here. Here is this world we've set up and we're off on adventure. Um, and so it has the fact that, you know, I feel like if you ever try to talk to one of the authors of Cl- Clamp about any part of this, they would fight you to the death about any part of it. And that's kind of the charm for this series, just to kind of lay it out there um, properly, is that this series has such a strong sense of self and also of the message itself very strongly already seems to be like an unalloyed version of girl power of you can stand up for yourself and do things that you can do and you can't be stopped because you know what you're doing and don't let things get in the way. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty wild in how forthright and kind of confident the whole thing is, which again, really makes it kind of a really enjoyable read um, just from a fact of like, you know, there, there is, there's, there's comedy and there's no short amount of like winking to the camera about it being like an RPG, etc. But all of it feels like its heart is so solidly nailed down in the right place that it's honestly slightly arresting to read. Maybe it just made an impression on me for other reasons, but that's my kind of like initial sort of thought on it. Um, I don't know if it affected you quite as much, Andy, or, or, or if you had any, have you, have you had any previous experience of it? I had the, I had the SNES game and that was it. Yeah, so I mean, weirdly, yeah. So, so background for me is I had no prior experience of Ray Earth until a few years ago, where I became the product manager of the UK Blu-ray release. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Sorry, Andy. Jesus. Um. So yeah. So that was kind of and and for a peek behind the the curtain of my actual job, the thing is, once you're a product manager of something, you kind of end up falling in love with stuff. Like even if you are kind of sight unseen on it prior to it. So yeah, I, I watched a bunch of the show. Yeah, like put together the Collects Edition releases. Again, like lots of really gorgeous artwork that I just got to luxuriate in, which is really interesting, like from visiting this the the source material, because like a lot of the key visuals and artworks are basically just like lifted and adapted from panels of the manga, which I think kind of speaks to just how good the quality of the artwork is like this yes. wasn't like the animators being like okay we need to make all these really cool images of the main trio and the villains they would literally just like this is a real sick page of the manga we'll just make this into a full color like key visual or whatever um, and i think that really tells you like the the general quality of the artwork in this series um so yeah so you know that that was kind of like my my background so i kind of came into this from a bit of a place of love um and yeah like this is this is a very dense first volume. Like, I think the obvious comparison point is 
you kind of look at the simplicity of like card capture sacra in terms of its setup and how kind of brisk it can be in terms of like hey here are your main characters spend a little bit of time with them here's the whole card collecting setup bam let's go like you know you've got your setup for for chapter on chapter this has a lot more layers to it because of the whole kind of like isekai angle the various kind of factors at play within the world of Sephiro and kind of you know having to introduce a lot of that you know the girls have to get their powers like you say they basically get a cut short tutorial um and you know even by the end of this first volume this sort of it does have that RPG feel of like the kind of like, well, when you get past the first six hours, that's when things actually start to happen. Because, you know, this is still very much in the like, hey, here's your first quest to like make some weapons. And so, you know, this is this is going to be like your kind of combat tutorial and a few other things rolled in here. Um, and it, it does have you know, the RPG influence is very clear. Like, they didn't really have to name check it quite so often because you can kind of see the the sort of the wiring under the board of that. Um, but yeah, like, it's sort of, it's a lot and it's dense and it doesn't get really kind of, for a six-volume series especially, it doesn't get really deep into things. But everything that's here is really well handled like all of the characters are kind of likable and interesting Mm. it blends the comedy and you know the action and more serious stuff really well which is a complaint i've had you know about a a few series recently where it's like the comedy just kind of pours a wet bucket over the action or the drama of a moment and it's really tough to have that kind of juggling but this does it really well um and yeah like the general setup just kind of it just kind of works and it feels for for all of the stuff where you say like oh this has clearly like influenced a bunch of other series there are also some parts of this that i think are just kind of quite refreshing like just simply mm. the fact that the main three characters all come from different schools like the classic of this sort of series is it's a bunch of friends or a bunch of classmates or schoolmates who know each other that get you know dropped into this alternative world and the fact that these three girls just don't know each other at all and they're basically having to kind of like do their introductions and figure each other out is actually kind of an interesting starting point that has an extra little layer to things that I think a helps the reader and b just helps the story in general to flow because it's just kind of it's just that extra little free sort of of interest of like these are not people who know each other pretty well they they're having to work together from scratch which I feel like from memory and maybe this is just because we haven't gotten as deep into it yet. Like, I feel like the anime plays with that a little bit more of there being a bit more friction between the characters of just, like, you know, it's sort of played for laughs a bit in this sort of first volume mm. where, you know, kind of Hikaru is, you know, the, the tomboy who's just like, hey, let's go, let's go do this thing. Whereas the others are a bit more kind of reticent in different ways about, like, do we really want to get involved in this? Yeah. And I feel like, from what I remember, the anime played with that a little bit more to kind of be a little bit more of a source of tension in places. But maybe it just hasn't gotten there yet um but no I, I really like all of that stuff like the the setup and you know the, the execution is is all really good on this yeah the characters are fascinating um because i mean again like they have the different schools element is very smart because it does as you say like it keeps them separate so you know they are perfect strangers to each other at the start um and when they are summoned into sephiro they're just basically like slorped through the floor of tokyo towers observation level and are then you know falling from the sky which again you know anime trope 101 but it perfectly embodies it and also provides a crisis point for the characters to talk to each other like you know they they only really stop 
and introduce each other, introduce themselves to each other formally, like two thirds of the way through when they actually have a bit of breathing space where they're not constantly like, can we get home? No. What are we here for? We are magic knights. Right. Okay. Fine. And, you know, they, they actually get to have ability to stop. But the characters as well, like I say, like I feel like the authors, as I say, like really like their characters and have sketched out their interactions really smartly from the get go. And it knows how to kind of like handle all their interactions. Like you say, look, it doesn't constantly sort of slip and slide and mishandle comedy. Um, where, you know, the first like half of this is volume is quite straight faced and also really wants you to know about the whole magic knights thing. Um, like it is, it's, it hammers that home quite like constantly. And then, you know, it finds other things to worry about, but the three characters are great. Like, um, especially like, cause you have Hikaru who is the slightly shorter girl who at one point is mistaken for an 11, 11 year old, which rude, um, you know, she has red hair. She's very fiery personality. She's tomboyish. She's got like a little ponytail thing going on. That's quite long. She has, you know, at one point she's worrying about someone called Hikaru and you're like, who's that? No, Hikari. And it, it's like, who's that? Is that a brother? No, it's a dog. And it's like, okay. And she's, she has like good animal sense. Like she can't actually. Like, she doesn't have the talk to animals skill as such, but she just has empathy with animals. And it's like, yeah, I understand that. Like, I can, I can talk to my cat, kind of. Um, but Fu and Umi in particular are really fun because they're like the second, they, when they're first introduced, they're kind of the other school kids from the other schools, you know, rich kid, smart kid. And they make a really funny double pair of like, handing off straight man and you know like straight man and goofy person sort of combination you know the whole bokeh sukome thing where they really play off each other really well and they kind of become this sort of like back and forth double act um and that sort of thing really kind of makes it interesting to continue the rpg thing a bit more like I I don't know why, but when I was halfway through this and they did the character introductions, including blood type and their astrolog- astrological sign, which is funny and was also played off for laughs by the series itself, of like, why did you tell me your blood type? It's like, well, if there's a medical emergency, it's yeah, like, which I, I really I really enjoyed the fact that they bothered to like explain that and not just be like, look, it's just we always do this, just just run with it. Yeah, the TL note in the back basically goes like, look, they're going to do this anyway, so here we go. Yeah, and also that frankly, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but the the fact that anyone mentioned a zodiac sign was like yep it's the 90s people i mean people still do horoscopes and shit but it's like this was way more common in the 90s (laughs) at least having lived through it as a kid um but the two of them are really good and fun to pay off each other and as as of yet or everything they have is like shared experiences and so there's not really too much to kind of grind each other's gears as such um where there's already quite a few interactions and a few things about like oh why would you do that you know etc but they haven't yet done anything to annoy each other just at the moment um but the one thing that kind of hit me was that i don't know i imagined there's like a, i'm sure on a character sheet somewhere there is like a, a bullet point of what consoles they earn where foo the smart one with glasses um she has a pc a full-on pc um you know um umi the rich one has a neo geo or just a fat out arcade cabinet and hikari hikaru has basically a nez still in the household so that's i don't know why but that's the thing that kind of came to me reading this was like i can see what consoles these these kids have at home which i guess is probably maybe just my brain working in a weird way but also just kind of like was part of another part of like seeing into their lives through what little interaction we get with them um and of course their elements are very very like their personalities they have 
have weapons that are very like their personalities where like hikari hikaru gets a big old broadsword um fu wind gets a bow of course and you know um umi gets a fencing sword and it's like yeah this matches your character sheet precisely and there's no need to apologize for any of it we've just got this all good we've got all this ready to go and on tap and of course we've got silly armor with giant jewels on because of course you do and we're off you know and and the the thing that strikes me about that is like the characters in this first one they never really feel too one note like they have their very obvious personalities and archetypes but they don't just fall neatly into that slot with every interaction like they feel like they're still kind of well-rounded and you know they have that as their basis but it is not their sole kind of you know raison d'etre with every word that they utter and i think that really helps to kind of like make them feel like actual characters and actual people rather than just like oh here's your kind of archetype of the day yeah critically they have more than one thing they think about or more than one like thought process which i know sounds really bloody obvious but it makes them way more rounded because even though i joked saying you know you've got the boyish one the rich one and the smart one like they're not then none of them are dum-dums but also like they have different things they worry about like you know you at one point um you know i think it's umi is like complaining she's like she doesn't just default to everything being about money and rich girl stuff she is very strong and independent you know she is very much like a power woman like future ceo type character and so you know does think about these things quite a lot in that way whereas hikaru is very empathetic and you know hot-blooded but you know she has a lot of empathy for for people and conversational skills and the ability to wrangle um what's its face uh monica the like that mascot character who i've seen for literal decades and never figured out or put together that it's from this property mm. it's just like <laughs> oh it's that fucking thing it's like the gem head rabbit like it's you know up up there with like the cats from sailor moon it's like yeah the anime mascot character you know that one um sorry i've been talking a great deal but yeah also the whole as i say the whole thing oozes crazy amounts of style it has its very particular style of crazy ass fantasy fantasy artwork that has giant fuck off gems everywhere everyone's hair is absolute nightmarish would take you six years to get done properly um you know everyone's chins are sharp as hell everyone's eyes are huge like hikaru's eyebrows are so strong they burst through her fringe um you know the princess who they're trying to save and restore um is also like just a massive hair with a waif attached to it um and also the fact it just says like look this is a fantasy world and everything here is powered by belief and that's why this works this way and of course you get the villain so far lord zagato who clearly has some kind of sad backstory explaining his reprehensible actions and he even has fucking like fantasy sale with a bunch of people hidden behind waterfalls in a circular room plot what they're doing and it's like god damn like this is sale before evangelion even existed what the fuck yeah yeah and that's also like a really great device for like introducing like the next character that the girls have to face off against because it's basically like you know <laughs> announce yourself as the the waters part kind of yes. thing and like that's really cool but yeah like i mean again talking about the backstory stuff like even the the first um kind of fight that that these girls get into like that's kind of a really interesting character right from the get-go because like clef kind of you know is clearly like it's a former sort of pupil of hers and it's just like wait i i taught you everything you knew to like protect this kingdom and now you're screwing us all over like what's the deal here and like right from the get-go you've got this really kind of juicy 
story that's clearly going to flesh out of like stuff has happened here this is not just like oh the villains were always the villains the heroes were always the heroes like there is clearly there has been some kind of shift some kind of change and like there's a lot of of morsels there of like well what's actually what's driven this because this is clearly not a not a cut and dried good versus evil story right from the the outset yeah it it makes very clear from the get-go that the magic knights the three girls who are summoned in are the last hope of this world like the the princess who is captured used the last of her power to summon them like they only ever show up like and are a prophet an element of prophecy and so it's very clearly like yeah you guys are really our last line of defense here and even me clef the pint-sized like guy with clothes too big and a horn on his head and really powerful sorcerer i can't unfuck this and so you're here and i need you lot to kind of get wise to this right now um before uh-oh tutorial interrupted i would admit the stuff with cleft did get a bit sluggish at times where even the really smart pacing and like page structure kind of got stretched a bit but then i think the authors themselves figured that out and said right okay let's just interrupt what's going on here and move on because we got to keep this show this series moving um, yeah yeah he, he is kind of the, the big exposition dump of quite a lot of things for a, a little a little while there which i i think his character in particular like also sort of made me start pondering like beyond all the the rpg stuff of mm. like whether the like the old school like 80s dungeon dungeons and dragons cartoon is an influence on this because oh wow this yeah also gave me some vibes of that like again kind of you know normal school kids go on a on a, on a field trip and are kind of you know transported to another world that they must save clef feels a lot like the dungeon master from that like zagato it feels a bit like venger from that and it's like maybe this is just my kind of latent desire especially given the recent live action film to kind of rewatch that cartoon someday um but it's just like i don't know like i wonder i mean that was a toei animation co-pro back back when so i assume it, it aired in japan as well but like it just felt like there was maybe some dungeons and dragons vibes to this as well yeah it definitely feels that the 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 series itself is both like picking up on and reflecting but also developing like the thing that was in the water at the time if that makes sense it's like man this mm. is this is like it's kind of a weird combination well not a weird but it's a very good combination of both like classic in a way frank like flat out like you read it now in 2023 like i was like yeah this all scans this is all a rip rolling rip rollicking adventure like you know it has an older art style but it fully dedicates itself to it like you know the the constant references to what the setup is are I like I've I've watched enough other stuff to know but or I know that this stuff exists as plot lines, but it all works. And it does a lot of really smart stuff, like to kind of move on to something else to talk about, but the artwork, as mentioned, is crazy. Like you mentioned how high quality it is, and it is like nearly every page is an art book basically mm-hmm. especially the two page spreads. Like, you know, again, Lord Zagato walks into the waterfall room and it's like Christ alive! It's a good thing there's four of you in Clamp because man alive, it was it was it sort of killed one artist. Um, yeah. So yeah, stuff yeah. gets wild fast. Um, yeah. I, I also I also enjoy the the art side of things. Like it's it's really it's very playful with its paneling as well. Yes, that was what I was going to get to. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, when it kind of goes to its like chipified characters, like you know, characters kind of pop out of their panels at times. They'll lean on the borders of the panels or kind of like use it to pull themselves up. And yep. like it's really it, it it doesn't overdo that, but it's always really 
really fun when you see it of just like it's it's very eye catching of just like the the structure of the pages is almost like a living part of the story at times. Yeah, for sure. There's one page in particular when the characters have just been summoned in into Sephiro. I'm going to pronounce it differently each time. I'm sorry. Um, but when they're first summoned, they're all falling and they're trying to come to terms with what the hell happened and weren't we just in Tokyo Tower? And you know, you've got characters. You've got the pa- the panels are both there and demarcated, but also characters who exist outside of any of the panels have their heads like poking into the panels to talk. You've got people people who's are look like they're basically falling out of their panel into the one below. You've got loads of really smart uses of characters, both imposing over, weaving between, and adjusting around panels that make it like a really fascinating structural page of. Of, like that reinforces the whole fact that hey we're in the sky and falling ah you know and it, it both looks really pretty and doesn't look completely goofy but also the whole thing is there in service of what it is communicating which is honestly like the one thing i'd say the most about the art and the paneling in particular is you know there is a, <laughs> sorry to make it sound very boring but each page has a mission statement and it's like no we are going to communicate this and the way we can do it is this and we can also sprinkle in a little bit of lighthearted comedy there where the other characters are like, oh my God. And we can have one character looking like hot-blooded as hell. And, you know, we can have one character on the same page, especially Hikaru, like going between intense big eye mode, like serious business, no, now I am a heroine of this series, to chibified goon, to girl who is slightly shocked but isn't fully taking up the entire page, but is one of the trio and is at a slight remove from the conversation and this like keeps you moving through the events and but keeps you focused on the character while again jumping her between three very very different standards of artwork um which looks great because it's not just like oh chibi time er," you know it's very much a case of like yeah the you know these characters contain multitudes and we love them and we've drawn them in all these different ways um yeah so yeah Yeah. that yeah and 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 also off, off of the back of that, a, a call out for for decent kind of localization of this because like these panels do get pretty dense with text when it's translated into English. Oh I yeah, feel like it's it's a it's, they've done a pretty solid job of managing to not make that feel too overbearing because there were times when, especially when I kind of like started flicking through this initially before I read it properly, of just like oh this looks really busy, but actually it always flows and works well in terms of the the lettering and speech bubbles and text around the artwork as well. I feel like that mishandled or in the wrong hands, that could have gotten kind of calamitously messy. Yeah, you never get the whole like screech to a halt type problem of like, okay, I got to reread this page a third time because I think I missed something here. Um, So yeah, and... But yeah, it's you can see why it's like lauded as a classic and why it frankly got the like very expensive treat physical treatment is because, you know it's it's kind of taken for granted this is a stone cold classic and going back to it you're like yeah this is a this is this looks great like you know the story is interesting like you you know with the benefit of 25 plus years of looking back you're like well these ideas have been rerun over but you can still see the freshness and the inventiveness that's still present you know i think that's always a good sign for these series where you go back to them and go hey there's some parts here that no one actually ever really tried to pick up and try again mostly because they kind of had it all figured out already like i feel like that that's the sort of thing i mentioned i think we've mentioned well i know i've mentioned before when it comes to rimiko takahashi works in particular her romances where it's like yeah she kind of already had it nailed like you mm-hmm. you could base if you tried to like 
ape this, you'd just be ripping her off, and that's going to not good, not going to fly because it already got done. And so, in the case of this, it's like, yeah, the, this rip roaring adventure, like you know, very big Escaflowne vibes, unsurprisingly. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you can see the things that Escaflowne left on the table because it had to have its own ideas at some point. Um, you know, cat girls and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and whatever the fuck there was the ending of that thing. Um, whatever it's great um but yeah it was really fun to read and as you say both dense but not heavy i love the characters like you can tell the sheer amount of love that there is in everything i know i keep saying that but like you've got to have a lot of love for these characters to draw all their fucking bullshit clothing especially the villains because <laughs> i would get so tired of them it's like the whole um freezer problem of i'm fed up of drawing these muscles let's just make him really smooth <laughs> you know that kind of dilemma yeah yeah and and and, and who who else would have the 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 goal to just like name most of their characters after japanese cars as well oh no <laughs> yeah yeah like sephiro the world like like that's a nissan i think clef is like a mazda or something like virtually all of the characters barring the main three are all named after japanese cars well i mean i can't really get angry of it because i love excel saga and everyone there is named <laughs> after a hotel chain um <laughs> exactly. I, I look forward to the big bad demon lord golf gti turning up i guess <laughs> um oh no i thought it was bad enough that the friggin names were fire wind and water it's like oh come on but at the yeah, same time no, it's no. like yeah whatever let's just get to it like people are named these and this yeah. just is a nice shorthand and also like you know the characters also make reference to magical girls a few times as well and it's like they also multiple transformation sequences in this which look rad as hell and it's like yeah the authors are clearly pulling from a lot of stuff they love and it's like yep here we go like you know they, you can see hallmarks of what precure's going to do in a while um already here so let's go for it so yeah. yeah and and i think that that is the key it's like you say like there's clearly love to in in all of this and it does kind of show through um and it, it definitely makes it a nice easy read and again the fact that you know th- this was the shock to me was that this is just six volumes because oh like, yeah you know the the anime a- adaptation is is pretty pretty chunky um so i was expecting it to be a lot more volumes than this to be quite frank well like i say when i played when i first interacted with this franchise it was as a 60 hour snes rpg mm-hmm. and it's like what yeah because also like the the way the manga is structured it's split into two like the way they sell the set is of two halves two three volume halves and also yeah like in the original publication like the second the first three volumes were one series and the second three volumes were a second series of magic knight ray earth 2 and yeah, it's and, like and the, so the, so it has two defined arcs basically it's like yeah and the the, the the yeah the anime was laid out that way too where it's like I, I think like the first season was like 20 episodes and then the rest of it was a technically season two which again i mean sort of follows the card captor sakura kind of vibe you know that was also split into very obvious kind of arcs as well yeah as was fist of the north star to make a completely unwelcome and slightly <laughs> imp- imposing <laughs> reference um but yeah i I'm, i feel like i've been a bit sort of over much about it but yeah this is a real delight to read um as i say it it very much almost defies you to dislike it in a way and i'm sure there's some people who would you know read this and go ah it's not my cup of tea but it is such a strong like foot on the foot firmly on the ground no this is a series we want to make here it is check out these girls and their adventures um which again they're only like level four so far like they haven't really got in that tutorial area and i'm already like yeah this is rad like go ahead like yeah fun stuff yeah yeah like i, I think my only real like 
critique of it would be like if if you're coming into this from like card cap to sakura like it's a higher barrier to entry than that series because that is just super svelte and easy to get into but really not not to kind of a prohibitive degree like it just it it has more to it and thus it takes kind of longer to really get into the weeds of it but that's not necessarily a bad thing when it's handled as deftly as this yeah the main as i say the one thing that does get quite funny is just the amount of times it tells you that you are the summoned magic knights it's like i know get on with it like you've shown like a silhouette of a robot twice come on where's the robot robots are not here yet um but also there's a good translation note about that in the back where you know they're using um a different term for it i think it was rune gods um whereas the original japanese has basically a really fantastic name that of course you can transliterate but won't quite work and so yeah. you know the translation notes on as i say like the localization is very good and the translation is very um you know it's very um receptive i suppose is the word i'd use of like yeah the the person who did this knows this franchise and you know they've made an they've made an accommodation to previous works and ways that this has been presented so not to make it jarring or weird um but yeah i really really love it um in the pound in i'm going to be in the but in the um I'm going to be ready to get the rest when I get a chance, frankly. Yeah, so. yeah, I think like likewise. I'd definitely like to. I, I have not actually made it all the way through and finished the anime because time, like yeah. I'd actually, given this is six volumes, I'd be quite happy to read the rest of it. Yeah, and frankly, part of me is morbidly curious about like, you're writing a lot of checks here. Are you going to cash them all before the end? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not that long a series. <laughs> so, you know, kind of wild. It is also, frankly, fa- fascinating because like, as I, like I say, it's like, I thought this was an omnibus. It's not, it's 200 pages, but it's like, this thing's always been such a humongous death star that you almost assume it's long. And then it's yeah. like, no, it's not. Like, it's not Fist of the North Star of Dragon Ball Z. It's like, it's very, it's very compact. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry, Andy, I completely went off the rails there a few times. Um, you got anything you want to mention about Magic Knight Ray Earth? No, no, I think, I think we've, we've covered it nicely. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, real good fun ride. Uh, and so now a quick break and we'll be back with our second topic. Right, and we're back. And to borrow a rather sort of old phrase at this point, now for something completely different. Andy, take it away. (laughs) Yeah, so my pick for this episode is that the two of them are pretty much like this, Volume 1, which is a Seven Seas Entertainment publication. Author is Takashi Ikeda, uh, also the artist there. Um, It's a four-volume series in Japan that is complete. Uh, Three volumes are out in English currently. The final one comes out in November, I think, that's currently slated for, so it will be done before the year is out. Um, No anime adaptation yet. I'd be surprised if they maybe do one at some point. It kind of feels like it's ripe for it. But, um... Anyway, yeah, the two of them are pretty much like this is, as the name suggests, about a couple of characters. Uh, there is a Sakuma Ellie, who is a scriptwriter. She's in her early 30s. She's 32. And she's in a relationship with Inazuka Wako. Um, note the dog references. Um, who is uh, 22 and a rookie voice actress. Um, and the two of them are, are in a relationship together. Um, Wako is called Wanko by um, her girlfriend because she's a bit like a puppy. Um, and this series is basically just kind of the day-to-day life of these two characters living together and hanging out and there's not really much more to it than that like there's not any major drama here like there's not a lot of hand-wringing about like oh no we're both girls or like how will society judge us Um, like we only really get to see 
uh, like Wacko's parents, but like they're both chill. Just like, no, cool. I've got a girlfriend now. She seems happy. Like times have changed. Good for her. Well, we had the same sort of thing also. Sorry, but we also have Sakuma's parents um, where like it feels like such a perfect time capsule because the dad is trying to find recordable Blu-rays <laughs> to record one of the shows that Sakuma wrote. Um, and they, she sends them a picture of her in a wedding dress and they're like, I don't know, this is weird. Times have changed. Aren't they both girls? I don't know. Whatever. Like the the least bigoted pet sets of parents present um on both sides of this relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the the closest there is to any kind of drama around that is like basically they they're not talking they don't talk to people professionally about their relationship. Like I mean like uh, Inazuka is is kind of does like a radio show where she just talks about her her girlfriend as her roommate and it's like, "Oh yeah, she's just my senpai roommate and like let me tell you about the goofy things that she does um and so there's a little bit there around like the character who she's kind of co-host that with who's kind of like you get a really lovey dovey dovey look in your eyes whenever you talk about your roommate like i'm not sure that they're your roommate actually um which is kind of turns into a little thing that's kind of quite fun at the end of this volume um but yeah like honestly this series like is just pretty damn good at kind of capturing those little kind of moments in a relationship like it's honestly some of my favorite parts of it are actually the bits where the characters aren't even really talking at all Mm -hmm. like there's one really good page where like there's a chapter that starts where like uh wacko has um like a a rehearsal or whatever so she's got to be up early before uh before sakuma is so she's up first and it's just a page of just sound effects basically of her getting ready while like her (laughs) girlfriend's still in bed just kind of clattering around running the shower you know overrunning the bath like whatever's going on all the little kind of exclamations like ah i know yeah Um, doing the absolute worst fucking job of trying to get up quietly and not disturb your sleeping partner um which i think is i think is something that everyone who's been in relationship can kind of get down with yeah and it's just and it's this kind of joyous little thing of just like yeah like you say if you've been in that situation where you're just kind of there in bed and you're just kind of enjoying just like reveling and just like hearing your partner getting ready for stuff and just kind of like enjoying this sort of like candid thing play out just audibly like you know in the background um there's another really kind of nice chapter where um like um in in Izuka is waiting for the results of of a rehearsal of of an audition that she went to and a it's really good because it's like it's the one time where like Inazuka's character she's just like bright and breezy Mm. go with the flow whatever like chilled out but like that's the one time in that volume where she kind of she snaps at Sakuma because Sakuma's like fussing over stuff and she's basically just like can you just get out of my face like I'm I'm tense I'm nervous I'm waiting for this phone call can you leave me alone and so like Sakuma goes works in the library she comes out and there's no words you just see Inazuka kind of looking like happy but tearful you know straight away she's got the job Mm. And Sakuma just kind of goes and runs up and gives her a big hug. And like, that was a real, like, just like little, like, lump in my throat thing of just like, that's just like perfect. Like, that's just really, really nice. Yeah. Um, Sorry. and that's kind of this series in a nutshell for me. Like, I kind of wish that it had a little bit more kind of tension in places, but I kind of appreciate it as just a like, no, this is just those kind of nice relationship moments that are not of any kind of like you know there are moments where they kind of you know get flustered talking about like hey maybe we should get married and stuff but like for the most that was part, adorable it's just man them, whatever that was which, so cute which is really cute but like for the most part it is as i'm talking about like getting a new sofa and like <laughs> that's kind of and that's just kind of that's 
95% of a relationship is just the really dumb or not particularly important conversations that you have about stupid stuff or just like poking fun at one another for things and you know it just captures all of that really really well and that's just like I'm I could definitely especially given that it's only four volumes long like I could definitely hang out with these characters some more and just kind of enjoy those little sort of vignettes of daily life yeah, I am super in a tank to basically read all the rest of this because I really enjoy my time with the characters. <laughs> Not quite as much as they enjoy each other's time, surprisingly, but like <laughs> it sets things out super, super effectively. Like it, every chapter in this is what, like eight pages total. So it's not like micro, micro sections or four panel like length, but it is very like efficient and and to the point, but also not like rushed. And it's very good at getting across the thing it wants to but also letting itself breathe like it's it's really domestic in a way that's every, in all ways positive you know it's not just like ah timmy fell down the well ah it's you know oh we like you say there's the there's the episode where they're both just laid there reading stuff um and they're waiting for a sofa to be delivered but you don't know that for like four pages and eventually like hey, maybe we could just do without a sofa. This is quite fun. And it's like, no, we need to get a sofa because Sakamoto is a slightly more sensible one. It's like, no, you really shouldn't sit on the floor. It hurts your hips, you know, and, you know, you've got to make sure that's, you know, you're taken care of. And, you know, it's, you know, the the age gap is large enough that it's kind of charming and cute. And you get the backstory of how they met, which is, again, extremely cute. You know, they've been in a relationship for, like, they've known each other for two years. They've been living together for one. You know, it's really very, like... You know, it, it both introduces to the characters and gets you in their flat very effectively. You know, you see where the power dynamic is in their relationship. You know, you can see where their paths of travel are and what they want. And all of this you learn through short, very regular chapters that fill you in a lot on the characters and their various motivations and feelings and, you know, their ways of being. And also, frankly, like their various different levels of cynicism, like, Wacko is a voice actress who also doesn't seem to know what a casting couch is, um, which is adorable. And everyone thinks she's cute as hell um, because she's a little cutie patootie um, and frankly, far too innocent for this world. But I think that's mostly because everyone around her is protecting her because it's nice to have a little fountain of innocence who doesn't know about sleeping your way to the top. Yeah. Um, Although I, 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 I will say like, if, if I have one thing about anything in this series, like there, there's a part where like kind of Sakuma is having a, a bit of a, uh, trouble with her writing like she got got a bit of writer's block and kind of like Inazuka it, it, kind of has a bit of a, a, a panic of just like well she pays the rent like if she can't pay the rent how are we gonna live and her, her brain immediately goes through kind of the <laughs> the motions of just like am I gonna have to make an OnlyFans am I gonna I have to start yeah, doing that, porn I love and that like, the, 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 the <laughs> caption is basically like oh you know this girl like doesn't understand the value doesn't understand safety nets it's like no she's 22 she knows that there are no safety nets yeah anymore. no I, I have that exact <laughs> quote written in my notes notes like in full caps of like there is no safety net what the fuck yeah. are you smoking like you know if anything she's being very sensible in the fact she's like well i can always make an only fans you know like ugh, you know but yeah there's also a really cute chapter where like there's like a punishment game that's happened and so the you only find out towards the end but basically the punishment is like oh we gotta go out but we gotta hold hands for the entire day 
and which is very cute and very silly, but also like, you know, they're not just constantly like, oh, Doshio, you know, the world at large. You know, if anything, it's just kind of a very cute way of like having them hold hands constantly. I feel like it was almost the author like set themselves the task of getting better at drawing hands and <laughs> was like, okay, no, I'm going to do this as a gimmick and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's a great chapter. And again, I, I think that's also just like, maybe not that exactly, but again, that's the kind of like dumb relationships stuff that happens oh, yeah. is like you have this that you have some back and forth or, or something about some stupid thing and one person would be like fine okay i'm gonna make you do this then and the other person's like no great this sounds good i'm gonna i'm gonna roll with this and then it just like kind of backfires on the person who set up the whole thing in the first place yeah very much a case of like aha you thought i'd be embarrassed by this but you're the one embarrassed you yeah know? yeah also there's um there's a really funny bit where they're kind of bantering back and forth about whether to say something or not and it, i think it's um sakuma says like ah oh, we talked we promised only one secret a day are you want to use sure you want to use it up it's only 10 a.m and it's like that's cute that's funny yeah um, yeah again st- stupid house rules also like a relationship thing like <laughs> i've de- definitely had some of those like in in my not so my not so distant past yeah um like you say like there's this chapter where basically like they're talking about like wedding dresses in a weird way and you know the, the weird sort of accidental um proposals kind of but not really sort of thing it's just like you know wacko was basically just saying saying what in her mind was the direction of travel of their relationship and you know it's extremely cute and extremely you know realistic in a way of like oh yeah you just kind of do these things like not everything is a weird like we spent 30 pages of a chapter of someone worrying about being proposed to bullshit um and yeah it's really it's really just very cute you also have uh, perhaps the best character um ataru um kanama ataru who is far too cool for her own good she's got a whole bunch of piercings you know short black hair um she's also a script writer um and has known sakuma for quite a long time and is very clearly like the friend who missed her chance and is now like the third wheel kind of and so in a weird way this is one of the ways that wacko who's normally a bit dense is extremely like weirdly sort of like needly and knows what's going on uh whereas sakuma just doesn't even think about it and so you've got basically wacko 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 basically winding up ataru the whole time being like oh i'm only her girlfriend <laughs> and it's like oh man this is this is weird like but also really fun and i do like ataru like she gets like there's a really funny like chapter where she's just like taking picture of a dinner for um for personal work reference and this old dude next to her starts telling her about how to make a better shot composition for instagram and she's like oh god i gotta be taught to this old man has to teach me something of course he does and then you get told like no he's actually a retired photographer and he knows his shit and here you go i've rearranged your food at this izakaya and i don't know and then she ends up kind of going there and telling him about her woes um i really i really i really love her as character also she owns a fucking like old style beetle which is a real statement of a car to own and have to maintain um for sure yeah but yeah that 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 whole chapter is is really great as well because it really kind of shows like her abilities at as well because like she kind of comes out and be like hey yeah this is how i got ahead this is how i have the career that i do because i can i can drag people into any conversation and just like drag them along for the ride um and you know she she's a very good people person who can just kind of like you know bend a conversation with 
whichever way she wants for her her whim or entertainment or benefit um and it's kind of it's really fun just to kind of see that whole thing in action and play from like oh god like this is going to be insufferable to be like and hey, you know what we'll get some drinks in us and we'll make this fun somehow yeah it's it yeah the extended cast are also good you got like miho who i think works with she works with um inuzuki on the radio show who is basically a little gremlin um at rest mode like shades of um, a blackhead umaru i suppose in some way of you know gremlin character who looks like a mop um and yeah the whole thing is just extremely cute like there's lots of nice hugs and stuff it's it it's going to sound rather strange but the closest thing i can think of if i was to make a rather strange food comparison is it's like extremely tasty bread you know like good bread you know the sort of bread where someone says oh it's not like good bread and you know it's the kind of like really expensive nice loaf you get that has sun-dried tomatoes in it maybe some maybe some nuts or something but yeah you know really good bread um in the it's not going to revolutionize your entire world or tell you something entirely new but it's extremely good fun to read and i love the characters and their little domestic advent adventures um, yeah and, and that's and that's where it did kind of surprise me a little bit because again you know right from the get-go it sort of brings up the whole kind of rent situation and obviously like you know wacko is is like a rookie so she's not really she doesn't really have the earning power and so it's like you know sakuma is kind of holding all the purse strings and that felt like oh is this going to be like a source of tension that really blows up at some point but like it never does it's it's never played for anything more than kind of a mild bit of ribbing from one to the other or, or played for kind of laughs or whatever um and you know whether uh, i it feels like there's not going to be any change to that direction of travel from the other volumes. I don't think this is suddenly going to get super serious about it. Um, but yeah, like you say, it, it is very, it's, it's very light and fluffy bread. Um, I might say like, <laughs> to add to your, to your anecdote. Cause yeah, like it, it's very, it, it goes down very easily. Yeah. It's extremely enjoyable. And you know, even the moments of mild like tension, but you know, it, it comes with that stink of the real in that like, you know, the two of them have been living together for a year and you can kind of feel it already. Like some of the conversations that other series could turn into their like the first time having to cross this bridge sort of dilemmas have been solved long ago like you say about the whole rent situation it's like they've clearly had this discussion before and while they'll still rib each other about it like this is a settled issue and so don't worry about it and Um, and i I think that's where like the characters and their ages and the relationship between them kind of works as well because like sakuma is very much like strong head on her shoulders like she's (laughs) innately sensible about everything has a career full capital letters yeah yeah like she she will not it's like you know even when she has this whole like writer's block like she doesn't she she doesn't go goofing off to escape from it she just locks herself away like no do not disturb me until this is done even though this is gonna suck for both of us like she has a very strong head on her shoulders and like wacko is kind of you know the bright and breezy one but like she's not an idiot either like she kind of she, she knows what's up she is clearly working hard to get ahead in her career like even if she kind of finds parts of it exasperating and so like even just the dynamic between them it's kind of it's kind of believable that it works because it's like yeah this is this is kind of a good balanced relationship between the two of them because they both kind of bring out the best in one another in a way that's kind of pleasing to watch yeah it's it's really fun to watch they make a really lovely couple frankly like it's really lovely to see them like you say like um like wacko is smart about her career like you know she's like oh no i can't eat anything too aggressive tonight because i got an audition tomorrow and when they go to the cinema she puts a face mask on because hey gotta protect your throat it's your money maker you can't go get 
getting a cold. So yeah, really smart stuff. Um, the one thing I will say about it is it's, it's, um, this was written in 2000, in the year 2020. And I don't know, like the, the use of like, obviously it being written pre pandemic, but also like the existence of recordable Blu-rays being a thing. Uh, it, it just feels so of a particular like six month period when that was viable. Um, maybe Japan had more use of recordable Blu-rays than they ever did here, but I don't know, just seeing like a grand, uh, like, you know, someone's dad talk about recordable Blu-rays is like, what? Like, damn, these these parents are both accepting of their kids' sexuality, but also know how to use Blu-ray recorders? What the fuck? (laughs) I know, see, that, 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 that hit for me, because it's like, you know, I remember, like, my my dad getting, like, a a DVD recorder, like, at the height of those for, which was also quite a brief period, and continued to use it way after, like, you know, everybody moved on to DVRs and having a whacking great hard drive to record your programs, but no, they were still on, like, you know, DVD RWs for a long time after it was really viable or smart to use them so you know that that is that feels like such a dad thing of just like hey no i caught onto this technology while it was hip and hot but now i'm continuing to use it way beyond its kind of viable lifespan yeah it's it, yeah well they i think it's more the fact rather than people getting behind technology it's just the cycles get too fast and also especially when you're slightly older it's like no i invested in this fucking thing i'm not buying a new thing <laughs> yes. like i bought this damn thing so yeah that's sort of you know trying to explain the difference in ram generation it's not going to fly for them <laughs> um but yeah I, I i really enjoyed this the fact it's four volumes sounds cool to me like you know it sounds like a really nice sort of set of time with the characters um i i really like them the art the art sorry i should have said but like you know ellie uh, um ellie is like you know she has it looks like she has a bit of like you know the blonde foreigner type archetype in her and especially on the front cover they look the front cover's hilarious because the two of them are like laid down on the like the floor somewhere and the fact it has the title it has just makes it seem really silly of just like oh these idiots um but ellie looks quite you know almost like um sort of ethereal um in some of her sort of panels because you know her lines are less defined because she is fairer of complexion and hair color as well um which came across quite strongly in my reader um, so it looked really cool. Like it's like, it, you know, the characters look very, very expressive. They look really cute. They have their particular sort of standouts. Um, the art looks nice in general. Um, and yeah, it really kind of like brings them across. It also, also there's more than one time when one of the characters, they look a bit mischievous and it's like, oh, you know, you can kind of see that glint in their eye because, you know, you've, you've spent time with them. So yeah, it looks really yeah, pretty as well. That's what I'm trying yeah, to get to. It's, it's, it's very good at being expressive. I and mean, again, like I say, that, that whole chapter where it's just that unspoken, like, you know, Wacko's got, got the, the role from her audition is just like, that communicates a lot with, without a single word. And yeah, like it's very good at doing that with facial expressions and kind of body language. Um, and yeah, it's kind of generally fun. Like there are times when it feels like kind of the two main characters almost look like they come from different series because yeah, you have your very sort of traditional beauty and then the kind of like, cute gremlin kind of gremlin girl yeah. and it's like yeah you could be from two different yuri manga and you've been kind of you know drops drops in, into an apartment well they but kind it, of it are works. like yeah one of the and, early and yeah, one, yeah, the yeah, one, one of the early chapters is like wacko's story of realizing or like making a personal realization about her sexuality at high school graduation it's like you missed out on all the high school yuri hijinks like you're too late for that series like you missed it and you know like and also ellie's backstory is conveyed in like three pages really well of like she had a long-term boyfriend she was starting to 
think about marriage. Turned out he was this cheating scumbag and she got hilariously drunk and then they met each other. And, uh, you know, as is normal for these sort of like pairings is Wacko's the one who made sure she didn't like, you know, come a, come to any harm as the fact that she got so drunk she fell over. You know, the whole like um, shibby a meltdown type thing. And so it's like a really good way of, you know, merging these characters together and going, here's how they met. And, you know, there you go. So, yeah. 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 And it, it does, it feels like it doesn't really care too much about any of that stuff like it's kind of it, it realizes that it has to kind of try and and you know explain that and draw a line under it but it's like you know even the whole bit with like you know wacko's kind of realization about her sexuality it's not a deep multi-chapter here's how i found out i like girls it's literally yeah just her stood at graduation like yeah i think i'm into girls okay cool yeah she's um, literally holding the fucking cardboard tube of her graduation certificate in it's like oops too late <laughs> so. yeah yeah and it's like i i kind of appreciate it doing that and not kind of going into into the weeds with it all yeah it, it it as i say it it uses the fact these characters have known each other for a while and they know themselves enough that it works really well um and it doesn't need to you know as i say it doesn't need to overblow doshio the whole damn thing um so yeah, yeah i really enjoyed my time with these characters um as is perhaps evident and yeah it looked really pretty it read really fun i enjoyed the i was very initially very skeptical when i saw the chapters were like eight pages long. i'm like what that's what that's short and then it's like no it just kind of tells you one small nugget from there you know it tells you one little lifespan day almost of their you know it, it focuses on one thing and executes it and then it's like yeah here's that here's another window in on these idiots so yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I think that's exactly exactly what it needs to be like yeah de- definitely not one to go for if you want kind of you know heart heartfelt drama and you know relationship angst yeah. um but if you just want to luxuriate in some characters who really like each other having a good time and just living their their best lives then yeah this uh, this does the job very nicely indeed plus you know the of course the the universal human need to tell a highly embarrassing story about your roommate on national radio good job um, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then you wonder why she's upset come on <laughs> so yeah really enjoyed yeah. it yeah yeah 100 yeah we'll, we'll definitely be reading more of this oh for sure for sure Cool. So, um, any anything else to mention about this series, Andy, from you? No, no? nothing to add there. Cool. Um, so, what we're talking about next time. So, my pick is something on Manga Plus, which has just about reached the cutoff point of being long enough to cover for this show, like a volume-ish in length. Um, and mine is the slightly um, weird romance series, uh, My Girlfriend Gives Me Goosebumps. Um, which I've been reading. So I want to hear what you, I want to sit down and read it and talk about it with you, Andy. And how about, what have you picked, Andy? Cool. Yeah. So my pick for the next episode um, is is also perhaps slightly in a similar vein. I think uh, it is the Untouchable Midoriyan Volume One. Yeah, I've not heard a single thing about this. So I'm very curious. Um, cool. So uh, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this little episode. Um, if you'd like to listen to the rest, you can find all of our previous episodes on our website, ScreenTone.club. As mentioned at the start, we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash ScreenTone Club, where you can sign up and you get bonus episodes every month. You also, at certain tiers, get your ability to vote on what we cover in those bonus episodes. Um, so you can make us read, well, whatever you'd like to hear us talk about, um, for good or for ill. You know, we, we have risen to every challenge labor before us so far and i don't think we all shirk from any from this point you can find us on twitter at screen tone club and also we have a discord as mentioned previously uh the invite link is on the website uh my name is elliot page you can find me on twitter at elliot page mostly talking about how hot it is and um posting pictures of my cat who is very hot in this weather but also still wants to cuddle up to me which 
I appreciate, but also hot damn, cat too hot. Don't please don't do that, Ruby. And and Andy, how about you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Hannah's nineteen seventy nine. Grand. So thank you very much for listening, and from both of us, good night. Bye everyone. Bye. Right there we are.